As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to the Audio Time Capsule episode 4. For those of you new to the show, I'm comedian Simon Kane, and this is the podcast where I bring on a guest, get them to leave 20 questions, and then a year later bring them back on to answer them. I then edit it so they're talking to their past self. All past voices will sound like this. And all future voices will sound like this. To give you an example, here is a question that I recorded just before meeting up with today's guest. Hello Simon of the future. Did you ever find that Yankee candle that you ordered off Amazon? It seems to have gone missing and you rang them yesterday and they said they delivered it uh, two days ago and you still, uh, you can't find it. Where is it, if it even exists in your world? Well, Simon of the past, I did find it in the end. So normally what Amazon do is they leave you a little card saying, we came but you weren't here, come collect it from the post office, or they'll give it to a neighbour to sign for. Pretty standard procedure. This delivery person didn't do either of that, they just hid it in the bushes next to my front door. Obviously I didn't see it, because why would I be looking in the bushes for a candle? So I complained to Amazon and they sent me a brand new one. And this time, the new delivery person made my neighbour sign for it. So I got two candles for the price of one. It's pretty sweet. Thank you very much for the reminder. This episode is about the musician and songwriter Frank Turner. He has been touring non-stop around the world with his brand of self-titled campfire punk rock, building a massive audience and going on tour with some amazing bands. He's, uh, we, we get into that in the podcast, I don't want to step too much on the toes of the questions that have already been asked. If you'd like to listen to some of Frank's music, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, his website, YouTube, everywhere really. And also he's about to go on tour. So if you'd like to find some details of that, there are some links in the show notes. If you're new here, please do remember to hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do remember to give us an honest review in iTunes. And either way, do consider joining the Facebook group. It's called The Audio Time Capsule and it's on Facebook, obviously. 
But for now, let's open the time capsule of Frank Turner. Hello, my name is Frank Turner. The date today is the 15th of November 2016. I'm at Shepherd's Bush Empire in London before the Peaceful Noise concert, and I'm recording questions to ask myself in a year's time. The idea of asking myself questions in the future is quite weird. Um, I think it's quite a cool one. Um, uh, it's funny, I mean, like, I get interviewed a lot, and there are moments in my life when I see interviews from a few years ago, and I sort of slightly wonder what on earth I was talking about with some of the stuff I'm saying. So, uh, this is a chance for me to uh, sort of actually uh, have that conversation with myself. I'm Frank Turner. Uh, it is the 25th of November 2017. I am backstage at Yulu. Um, in London. Uh, I'm actually borrowing Josh Holmes' dressing room. Uh, and tonight is A Peaceful Noise 2, uh, which is this concert to memorialise uh, my friend Nick Alexander and everybody else who died at the Bataclan attacks in Paris two years ago. And we are doing this audio time capsule. And um, I have absolutely no memory whatsoever of what any of the questions I asked myself a year ago are. So I'm kind of intrigued and we'll see how we go. How was show 2000 at Rock City, and in particular, how did the guitar solos in the Taylor set go? I'm playing guitar for my support band that night, and I have to play three guitar solos, and I'm quite worried about it because I can't really play guitar solos. So, uh, Show 2000, which um, is still in my head, feels like it happened quite recently. It was, in fact, um, in December, so it's nearly a year ago now as well. It was phenomenal. Um, the atmosphere in the room was tangibly electric um and uh i was exhausted it was the end of the year um i actually went and had one of those rock doc shots that you get where you, they inject you with b vitamins in your bum um and it uh it sort of helps it was the last show of the year and i never usually do that kind of thing but i just needed to be in good f- spirit and voice um for the gig the gig was amazing my the thing i always remember from show 2000 is that the crowd sung along with the mandolin riff at the start of losing days which has never happened before or since so uh that was pretty cool we filmed it for a dvd which uh, i have then watched a thousand times because i did the audio edit on that and it was yeah it was just a magical evening rock city is a very special place to me i got a tattoo that night that says 2000 rock city on it and yeah it was a it was everything i'd hoped it would be the guitar solos in the taylor set they went okay, is probably the best way of putting it. Um, it was magical having the Taylors play. They are a band that I loved when I was first starting to make kind of more songwriting, acoustic country music. They were one of my biggest influences, and they were just friends who also played in London and who sort of been forgotten by history in a way that I th- feels unjust to me. So I got them to reunite for show, for show 2000, and their guitarist has moved to Canada, so I volunteered to play guitar. It went the Show 2000 went quite well. They then played again, we then played again, on my birthday, which is December 28th. I thought it would be a nice birthday party to have the Taylors play again. They went particularly badly that night because I was absolutely hammered by the time we took the stage. So my memory of my birthday is them going very well, and the reports from the audience that they went extremely badly. But Show 2000, they went all right how was the american tour with felix hagen and in particular the boston show at the end of it how did that all work out did everybody love felix i've got a replacement keys player for a tour next year for the reason actually next question for it 
Uh, the American Tour went great. Felix absolutely stepped up. He learned all of Matt's parts. Matt's the regular keys player in my band. And, and probably, with no disrespect to anybody else, probably the hardest person to step in for because his parts are so complex. Felix absolutely nailed everything. We had a couple of rehearsals in the States before the tour started. He'd been practicing over Christmas. And he nailed it, and he was great, and the audience loved him. And I can't thank him enough for doing what he did. It has to be said that the ne- first time we practiced with Matt back in the band again, it was kind of like scratching an itch that you didn't know you had. Like, Felix didn't play anything wrong, but there are just nuances of playing that every individual has. And what was interesting about that for me was that my band and I spend so much time on the road and so much time in each other's company that there are days when you sort of forget that you're friends as well as colleagues. And when Matt came back, it was just kind of awesome. Everyone was just really happy to see our friend again, and not just musically, but personally. So Felix was wonderful, but it's lovely to be back to the original, the OG lineup. What was the other part of the question? Oh, and the Boston show, yes. The last show of the tour was at the Aganis Arena in Boston, and uh, it was great. I mean, it was, you know, we did a bit of kind of PR chicanery of referring to it as the American Wembley, because the Wembley Arena show we did back in 2012 was my first arena headline show in the UK, and it was a transformative moment in my career. Um, I'm not sure that the Boston show was actually quite the same as Wembley. It was just a really cool, really big show at the end of a tour. But it was great, and Boston remains our home on that side of the Atlantic, and it was a lovely evening was had by all. How are Matt, Nazir, and Anna, and their baby? And what sex is the baby, and is everybody getting on well? Uh, So Matt, the reason that Matt stepped out of the band was that Matt uh, had a baby with Anna, um, his wonderful girlfriend, and the baby is a boy called Morgan. And Matt is enjoying the vagaries of parenthood. Um, They're doing very well. He does that thing, everybody, I don't have kids, everybody I know who has kids does this thing of saying, oh my God, it's absolutely the greatest thing in the world, and then proceeds to tell a series of stories which seem to point to an opposite conclusion to that, mostly about not sleeping and vomit. Um, And Matt's hardcore involved in not sleeping and vomit at the moment, but Morgan who I've met a couple of times, is an absolute sweetheart. He looks a lot like his dad, and they're very happy. <laughs> Fucking hell. This is the big one coming up next. It's like, <clears throat> what state is album seven in? Did you stick to your guns? Is it still a concept record? Did you do everything that you could to make it everything that it should be? That's going to fry my brain when I hear that question in a year's time. I'll tell you that. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, that's, that's a, an interesting question <laughs> at this point. Well, that is quite an interesting question, and much has changed in the last year, and it's interesting to me to hear that's where my head was still at a year ago. So basically, I wrote a concept record of songs about women who've been ignored by the historical record, and I finished writing it, and I then shelved it, because I just felt like the world, as it currently stands, is demanding comment that's slightly more uh, contemporary than songs about women from 18th century Paris or whatever, uh, as much as that is an important thing for me to write a song about. Um, so I actually, after much umming and ahhing, and I can tell that when I recorded that question, I was in the middle of changing my mind. <laughs> so I went off and I wrote a whole new suite of songs, and the album is recorded. We were in Texas for two sessions over the summer. It's not mixed yet. One song's been released. There she is, came out um, as part of the songbook collection, which came out yesterday, in fact. Uh, But I'm extremely excited about it. I think part of my nervousness a year ago was that there would be something less integral about ditching the Obscurantist concept record. I haven't ditched the record, it's going to come out. But I think that the suite of songs that I've written since then are both better, uh, well, maybe better, but certainly more to the point of what's going on in the world right now. I've kind of ended up writing a kind of political 
dance pop record, which is sort of calibrated to probably irritate everybody at the same time. So my Twitter account will be a lovely place to be when that album finally comes out. But I'm, I'm very excited about it. I think it's good songwriting and uh, the arrangements are radically different from anything I've ever done before. And I'm excited about that. How's the back? Have you been keeping up with the exercise regime that you should have done? Um, and how much pain are you in day-to-day doing shows? My back's in pretty good shape. I had a ping-out, a sort of incident, however you want to call it, when I was moving house um, earlier this year because I got over-enthusiastic about carrying boxes around the place. But they happen periodically, and they suck, but you just kind of get on with your life. Um, I have actually, two weeks ago, as of recording now, started running. Um, which is something I've been sort of threatening to do for a long time. I have friends who are evangelical about the benefits of running, um, and and you know, and not they're not all sort of uh, tiresome fit- fitness fanatic people. They're people who I can identify with in, in lifestyle terms. He said in the most evasive way possible, um, but uh, who all swear by it. So I'm now two weeks into running. I did a run this morning with a hangover, which was a first, and um, it actually felt great at the time, and then felt crushingly awful afterwards. But I'm I'm sort of like on a bit of a fitness kick at the moment, and uh, I need to quit smoking. And if I was doing this again, I'd, 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 this might be one of the questions coming up: Have you quit smoking? The answer is no. Um, but uh, no, I feel I feel good. Yeah, I feel good. Are you still smoking cigarettes? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, well. Uh, Yes, I am. Um, I have cut down some, but I am still smoking, and that's terrible. And I'm sorry, old me, and indeed girlfriend, and indeed everybody. Um, uh, It's a terrible habit for a singer, but uh, such is life. How's the love life? Is everything still working out the way that it was a year ago because a year ago it was peachy keen (laughs) which is true uh well uh the love life went through a bit of a uh, convulsion um in the middle of the year um but i'm happy to say that i came out the other side of it we came out the other side of it in a much better stronger place um and we have moved house um and we live in a wonderful new house and life is excellent um i'm very happy and settled with my wonderful partner so uh good this is a more profound one for me. I mean, again, we'll get into this. How are your relationships with the Sleeping Souls, both collectively and individually, and what is the state of play with that whole situation right now? Um, that could be a very political question in the years' time. Or not. I mean, I don't know. I'm pleased to say that relations with the Sleeping Souls are very good. Um, we made the new album together. Uh, the guys from the band came out to Texas one by one. Uh, to work on the record which was great both for me and for them I think everyone got to focus on their parts individually Um, and uh, after Matt's little hiatus from the band in January for having a kid it was really lovely to have him back again and I think yeah you know I feel like we're together and stronger than ever everyone's very excited about next year the new record is not one that we really know how to play because we made it in the studio so we're going to have an interesting time doing a lot of rehearsing which is something we don't habitually do very often so we're going to do a lot of rehearsing early next year to get the record together but yeah everyone everyone's in a good place i'm excited about next year what is the state of play with this the united kingdom and the european union and do you feel vindicated in your opinions about the situation from a year ago are we looking at a more or less liberal world at this point in our history well um i think the central fact of british politics in 2017 has been the almost total collapse of anything approaching a governing class um i think that i have watched with great dismay um at the extremely low caliber of politicians that we seem to have generated as a society i think there is 
On some levels, I think there's an argument that society, a democratic society tends to throw up the politicians they deserve. Um, I hope that's not true of Britain in 2017, because across the board, um, I think they're awful. I think that um, there is a, something I spend quite a lot of time thinking about, and not to any practical or efficacious end, is um, the fact that I think there is something broken in our society. If you look at the caliber of people who rose to the top of politics in the post-war era or indeed the pre-war era whatever else one might say about them they were some of the smartest people of any given society they were smart they were coherent they had uh, coherent ideologies and views of the world and that kind of thing regardless whether or not you agree with them you know um Attlee versus Churchill are two that's two intellectual heavyweights right there um to stand up now and have you know Corbyn versus May is it's it's depressing the absolute um, degeneration of our political culture that that represents. Um, I mean, as far as Europe and everything goes, I, I think I'm uh, I'm extremely concerned because I think that nobody on either side seems to be making any particularly effective arguments about a future vision for our country, and there is a time limit on these things, and I worry about that a lot. Um, I think it is possible to be optimistic about Brexit, which is a fact. Um, I think it's extremely tiresome people who are constantly trying to rerun the referendum. It happened. Deal with it. It's a fact of political life. I think there are optimistic visions for it. I just don't think anybody's doing anything that's actually going to make those come true currently, which is sad. Have you got your neck tattooed yet? And if you did, how did that conversation with the missus go down? (laughs) (laughs) I do not have my neck tattooed yet. And I have essentially been told in no uncertain terms that neck tattoos and going out with my girlfriend are two um, mutually exclusive positions to hold in life. I mean, there's part of me that wants to just go and do it um, because then it's done and sort of call her bluff on it. But that doesn't seem like... A particularly adult way to engage in a relationship so I haven't got my neck tattooed but I do my most recent tattoo I've sort of slowed down a bit on tattoos partly because I'm running out of space and partly because I'm just picking my battles um, for my remaining space but I got uh, one of my favorite tattoos I have a portrait tattoo of uh, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. In their role as Mulligan and O'Hare with My Rose Has Left Me. Um, and it is basically the best tattoo in the world. Uh, it's, uh, it's on my leg. And I'm, I know this is terrible radio, but I'm pulling it up right now. And there they are. Um, and uh, I'm pleased to say that Bob Mortimer... Uh, Reeves and Mortimer are my favourite thing in the world. I just... There are not adjectives enough in the English language for me to express how much I adore everything they've ever done. And I've got all of it, I'm pretty sure. Every now and again, I discover a little something I didn't have before. Like, I found a whole bunch of stuff from Vic Reeves from The Word the other day, which I didn't have, which is his first appearance as Vic Reeves. Um, but, uh, so I'm an obsessive fan, essentially. Um, and, yeah, Bob Mortimer spotted the tattoo on Twitter, because I put it on my Instagram and my Twitter and everything, and um, <laughs> and sort of commented, right, okay, that's flattering. Um, but, you know, I just, I adore them, and if tattoos are supposed to mark one's character, personality, and taste, then that works very well for me. Have you spoken to your dad yet? That's that's a heavy question, if I really was one. Um, I have, actually, and in sad news, my father's twin brother has terminal cancer, which is gutting because um, he's always been my sort of consolation dad, if you like. Um, but he sort of said that he was tired of me and my father being at odds and he would like us to, if not reconcile, at least be in the same room. Um, so we have been in the same room and um, it was in many ways less dramatic than I thought it was going to be, but it was also, uh, it didn't really fix anything. Um, uh, I think I'm less angry about it now than I was a year ago, but um, it's still it's a non-relationship. What's happening with eating before swimming? Have you ceased to be a lazy dickhead and actually sent Chris some material? And if so, how does it work out? And is there a record coming out with that? It's a side project that I'm being very slow at working on. And actually on that level, have you got around to making another Mongol Horde record yet? And if so, did you keep your promise to yourself to be yet more gloves off with the lyrics than you were the first time around? <laughs> Side projects, right. Well, um, uh, Eating for Swimming has moved on a pace. We have now passed the halfway point of an album uh, about five years after thinking up the idea. Um, we've got six songs finished now and we're going for ten, so uh, there's progress for you. Um, uh, and, 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 and I think it is turning into a genuinely interesting project. It's me and a friend making some seriously out-there music. It's kind of easy listening folk and drum and bass and noise covers. Um, it's it's a very odd project and I'm not sure how many people are going to get it or appreciate it and I don't care because um, it is it is art in its purest form as far as I'm concerned uh, so that is moving on I mean I, I could do this audio uh, time capsule again and I would probably still not finish it in a year's time but it will get done and I'm excited about that Mongol Horde is very much on my mind currently because we have just announced a new Mongol Horde tour in January um, which is at some slightly bigger venues and they appear to be selling out which is exciting um, uh, but we have not done any new music because um, we haven't played together since 2014 um, and we need to remember how the songs go between now and January but um, I'm excited about the tour and I think that it's kind of giving us all a kick up the arse to um, engage with that project intellectually again so um, I, ha- I can't answer the question about lyrics um, but I hope again that I mean Mongol Horde is the style of writing 
is very stream of consciousness an awful lot of its first draft which is something i never do in my regular solo writings uh so um it's it's a lot of fun to just refuse to self-censor um and i would hope i will keep that up oh yeah <laughs> how's donald trump doing i mean i'm intrigued he's a piece of shit but <laughs> who knows we'll see about that Unfortunately, Donald Trump is still the President of the United States, much to my dismay. Um, he hasn't improved or uh, gained any sort of statesmanlike bearing. Um, he's been tweeting about how he should have left people in jail because they didn't thank him enough on release, which is just... Again, I mean, I was chatting earlier about the, de- the degeneration of our political classes. I mean, he is the obvious... Uh, leading light of that process um i i not only is he still the president i if i was a betting man with the way things currently stand i would put money on him winning a second term simply because i think that the american uh democratic party are in just they are repeating the mistakes that led to the election of donald trump um they're doubling down on all the things they did that allowed donald trump to win an election and the divide in american society is something that i find extremely troubling i think that a world uh, without America as a kind of as a as a moral and military leader will be considerably worse than one with, um, and uh, I'm I'm worried about that. How is your country guitar playing? Because you've been promising yourself that you're going to get better at learning Mel Haggard licks and Chet Atkins licks, and I want to know if you've actually kept up with that idea and have actually been practicing like you promised you would and improving as a musician because that's just important. Oh, screw you, me of a year ago. I haven't really done masses of that. I've been busy. I mean, it's not like I've been idle, um, but I, I haven't actually done much in the way of learning uh, new country licks recently, and more is the pity. I mean, I, have, I think that there is some guitar work on the recorded but not yet mixed seventh album, which is above and beyond any guitar work that I've recorded before, and I'm very happy with that. But uh, specifically, I, w- I really would love to become a decent country guitar player, and I have yet to do that, so sorry. How did things work out with Blink? The Blink tour was absolutely wonderful. Um, it was a lovely time. Um, bit, spending a couple of weeks hanging out with my old pal Max Skiba was a joy. Um, the other guys in the band, Mark and Travis, were lovely as well, as to the extent that we saw any of them, which wasn't much. Um, but it was great. We hadn't done a support tour in the UK in a long time, and I feel like the Sleeping Souls, my band, and I um, sort of cut our teeth and sort of came together as a band supporting people in the states and it's a particular skill set that i think is one of our strongest suits and one that we hadn't deployed in the uk for a very long time so it was really fun to just kind of walk out in front of these packed audiences every night and just headbutt the audience in the face repeatedly until they started paying attention and i think there were a lot of people at those shows who didn't know who i was or who maybe had heard the name but never got around to checking it out or indeed people who maybe had the first two albums and hadn't paid attention since then and it was really lovely to kind of gather some people together again um, so it was a really fun tour. How was the reception of the film? Did it go? Was it was it everything that you and Ben hoped that it would be? The film went well. Um, it was odd having that much personal information released into the world. That's something that instinctively, I um, am at least cautious about. Usually, I mean, the point of the film was for it to be revealing, and there would have been no point in making it if we if it had not been revealing. So. So, and so it was. But it went very well. I think people really enjoyed it. We did an American kind of cinema tour for it, which happened just at the moment that my personal life was in, in the doldrums. So um, I don't remember very much of that, if I'm honest with you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it seemed to go well. I think people really enjoyed it. And um, 
Yeah, I, I think Ben did a great piece of work. <laughs> Have you called your mother? <laughs> wow. Uh, sarcastic, spiky me from a year ago. Um, I have. My mum's coming to... I've just moved house, and my mum is coming to inspect my new house, uh, as she is wont to do in her motherly way. It's like a state visit. Um, I'm definitely going to do some hoovering before she arrives. Uh, my mother is coming uh, on a state visit next week, um, so that'll be exciting. So when you look back over the last year, from November 2016 till now, which presumably will be November 2017, what thing that has happened makes you the most happy? That's a good question, old me. Um, I mean, I've got two immediate answers to that, one of, one of which is that I'm really, really excited about the new album. The thing that I decided to do after we recorded these questions was to, uh, having decided not to do the um, lyrically obscurantist thing, I decided to take a hard stylistic left-hand turn and to really get into new sonic territory with the new record. And I think, I mean, the album's not mixed yet, so it's hard to say with certainty, but I think it's been been a success. There's a lot of kind of beats and loops and synths and dance music influences on there, which is new territory for me as a mu- as someone making music. I mean, I've been, I listen to a lot of that kind of music, but, um, it, you know, and it was nerve-wracking to do that, and I think it went well, and I think I pushed it in the right direction, and I'm proud of the album. And the other thing is just that uh, this sounds entirely sentimental but um, I'm, I'm very happy in my personal life and uh, this year I worked through some long-standing issues in my life in order to make that relationship work and it has left me a much happier person. <laughs> if you could go back to the time when you were recording this at Shepherd's Push in 2016 what would you add or take away as far as questions go? What, what didn't you see coming? Blimey. Um... Well, I mean, it's sort of it's sort of hard to say, really, as counterfactual. I mean, I, I would I would ask more questions about the album because that is probably the thing that has changed the most um, in terms of what I was expecting to happen a year ago. Uh, I would take away the question about smoking because I'm annoyed with myself that I have failed on that level. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a reasonably good set of questions. I don't. I said giving himself props. Um, uh, it, it seemed, you know. Uh, it, it's funny, like, the nature of what I do for a living, time is extremely elastic, and there are moments in my life when it feels like a lot of things happen in a very short period of time, and there are moments in my life when it's the other way around. Or, you know, in some ways, November 2016 feels like a lifetime ago, in some ways I f- feel like it was last week. Um, and that's, in a funny way, one of the things I... I mean, I'm sure that's true to some extent of everybody, but there's, there is a sense in which life on the road compresses time. Um, and... It's one of the things I enjoy about what I do because it makes me feel like my life is taking longer to go by, which given that it is, it is um, objectively a finite quantity, this is a good thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it, it's funny listening to myself from a year ago, but um, I, I think I'm in a better place than I was a year ago, so that's good. Were there any opportunities that came up in the year that, in question that you said no to that uh, you wish you'd said yes to? Um, not off the top of my head. There are, there's a couple of things I said yes to that I wish I said no to, really. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, it's difficult. There is, the, the, the nature of my existence is that all day, every day, there's kind of suggestions and ideas for things that I could do with my time. And, and I do my best to say yes to as many things as possible, because that seems to me to be the way that I have achieved success in my career, is by being relentlessly um, outgoing and optimistic and saying yes to everything. Um... Uh, I can't, yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Was there anything that you said yes to in the last year that you wish you said no to? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, as I, as I mentioned, um, I mean, 
uh, on a private and personal level, there have been some bad decisions here and there. But, I mean, overwhelmingly good ones, I think. As a, I, I don't want to sound too sort of slushy about this, but things are better than they were a year ago. But um, there were some nights out and some poor decisions here and there, um, which I would undo. Um, and then, I mean, no, I mean, beyond that, there, there, I mean, the thing is, I don't particularly want to go into specific detail about this. There, there's a, occasionally there's a gig I do, which is just like, why am I here? And I don't want to say what they are because actually, if I'm ever feeling like that, I've learned to not vocalize it because usually a couple of days later I go, yeah, that was all right. And, you know, if you're helping other people out or if, I mean, the, the center of what I do and as far as I'm an entertainer is, is attempt to entertain other people. And if other people are entertained, then it doesn't really matter how I feel about it. To be honest, um, that's not the central issue. So, um, yeah, I mean, not not that I want to talk about. If you could travel a year back in time and give me now some advice, what would that advice be? Ah, uh, um, hmm. <laughs> um, I would tell myself to get on with... Um, making changes in my life I, I made i made some pretty hefty changes to my lifestyle and my personal life in the middle of this year and they were ones that i had been sort of mulling for a long time and i finally did it and it was great and i wish i'd done it sooner so i tell myself to get the fuck on with that and i tell myself to get the fuck on with running as well because i think it is going to make and i tell myself to quit smoking um uh so i would do those things um uh, but beyond, beyond that i mean it's funny like the a question I get asked a lot is like, you know, what advice do you give yourself when you were starting out or when you were a teenager or whatever? And, and I sort of feel quite strongly that the interesting part of the passage of time and of life uh, is learning as you go. And I think that there's something slightly kind of uh, wrong-headed about that question in some ways. Uh, the one piece of advice I would give my, my young self when I was starting out is to stretch more because I've damaged myself so comprehensively physically by refusing to consider what I do to be a form of, a form of athletics. Um, and, you know, I broke my back effectively in 2013 and it was utterly horrendous. And I wished that I had thought of myself as an athlete before then because then I wouldn't have hurt myself so badly. But in the last year, I mean... You know, um, there are, yeah, the, no, I th I, I'm not sure there is because I, I've learned a lot in the last year and it's been interesting doing that as I, as I did it. That was Frank. I really loved hearing about how his life has changed over the last year. I, cu I couldn't agree anymore. As, as a 30-year-old man who has a lot of friends who are just having their first kid, or in some cases their second kid, I couldn't agree any more with him about how parents say it's amazing and then tell a bunch of stories that completely contradict themselves. I'm so happy that he's worked on himself and he's in a great place, minus the smoking. Uh, I don't think he'll mind you telling me that the minute we finished the record, we went outside for an off-mic catch-up and he had a smoke. Um, as always, Frank is on tour, so if you would like to watch him live, you can find the full list of dates at frankturner.com, check out where he's gigging, and uh, there's also a link in the show notes if you can't be bothered to search the internet for that. If you're new here, please do remember to subscribe. If you're old here, please do remember to give us an honest, ideally positive review in iTunes. If you've got anything negative to say, drop me an email. Don't put that out publicly. And either way, please do join the Facebook group because we have unique content in there, information about upcoming guests, behind the scenes of the podcast itself. And also each week I ask you a question inspired by some of the questions the guests left and ask you to leave your answers.
This week, I'm going to ask you, what habit do you want to kick in 2018? Could be smoking or drinking or eating too much chocolate. Um, I, I guess what I'm asking is, what is your New Year's resolution? But I really hate that phrase, so I'm trying to avoid it. So what habit would you like to kick if you could kick any habit in 2018? Write it underneath this podcast in the podcast group and... Who knows, someone might be doing the same thing and you can support each other. It's a little community we're trying to build in there. The audio time capsule is a fruit that got in Gravity's Way production for the internet. All elements were created by me, comedian Simon Kane, except for the music which was composed by David Jordan. Thank you very much for listening, thank you very much for subscribing, and thank you very much for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about 14 days time. Bye! And Happy New Year! Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.